0: Gabe, um, Gabe was angry. He's my eight-year-old, and he was angry, and he was in a timeout. And when I went to talk to him after his timeout, you know, I'm kind of hoping he's cooled down, he's realized what's wrong, that he was wrong, and he's going to just be repentant. That was my hope. And you know, I got there, and it was not the case. Gabe was still angry. And he, he just, he was in his set in his way. And for, for Gabe, you know, all the people in our family, his gift is when he's set on the course, he's set on the course. And so I knew when I went in that, um, that it was going to be a hard one. And I think probably I prayed under my breath because I always do that when I'm in trouble or I might not have. But God was gracious to bring a story to mind. And so while I was talking to him, suddenly a story came to my mind of when I was fighting with my brother. And who was up here, Andrew. And um, we used to fight, and I used to provoke him until he got angry. He's seven years younger. And then he would usually hurt me, and then I would get mad, and then I would hurt him, and then he would go to mom, and then mom would get me in trouble, and then I would usually lie and say it was all him. <laughs> That's kind of how it goes. And so I told this story something like that one of the times that happened, and Gabe broke into a smile. He kind of cracked a smile, and he he just kind of was like, okay, you know what it's like. And then he proceeded to say, well, okay, I was mad, and this did happen, and, and we broke through. And you know what? I think stories are like that. Stories will do that to you. They will overcome your walls, and they will pierce your heart. And I think for everyone, not just for kids, but for everyone, that's the case. And this morning... Um, we're, we're talking about parables and stories and Jesus telling a parable. And I know in my sermons, when I talk to people after and I say, oh, what did you get out of this sermon? Someone will be like, oh, I like that story you told about this thing. I'll be like, oh, okay. What did you learn out of it? Well, the story, that was a good story. You know, or ask Maddie that when she comes, she's coming home and I say, oh, what did you learn? And she'll say, oh, I learned something about you, about that story you told about when you were little. I learned that. About you and be like, okay, did you learn other things too? Or just that's the stories are the memorable part? That's what we remember. And this morning, that's what we're talking about. Uh, Jesus telling a parable, a story. And in our Luke series, we're we're up to a parable. And there's going to be lots more to come. And this is our first one. So turn with me, if you have your Bible, to Luke chapter 8, verses 4 to 15. And uh, I'll read it if you don't, so that's okay. Luke chapter 8, verses 4 to 15. And when a great crowd was gathering, and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path, and was trampled underfoot. And the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock. And as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what the parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. We even get an explanation. It's so good. The parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while and in a time of testing fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. This is God's word. My big idea this morning is this. The story of our hearts is a well-tended garden bearing hundredfold fruit. You're like, what? The story of our hearts is a well-tended garden bearing hundredfold fruit. It is stories. Stories that grip us. It's stories that capture our hearts. It's stories that, that launch over the wall. One of those stories happened in 2 Samuel chapter 12. There was the greatest king ever, arguably, in Israel, King David. He's the guy, everyone says, oh, he's the man after God's heart. He's the one who wins all the battles. He's the one who has all the favor. It's David, David, David. It's David who's throne. They always talk about David's throne. It's David's throne Jesus is going to sit on. It's David's throne that's going to rule forever. It's David, it's David, it's David. David, he's the great king. He was a great king. He also made some bad choices. He took the slide right down the hill. When his friends, everyone was away in battle, he looked out and he saw his friend's wife, Uriah's wife, one of his mighty men, out on the rooftop bathing, and he took her into his house and slept with her. Not only that, he got her pregnant. And then, when he found out she's pregnant, he tried to cover up the thing by getting his friend drunk, getting him back, and trying to get him to go sleep with his wife so he could cover it up. But his friend was so loyal and so intensely devoted that he refused to go sleep with his wife when all of his friends were out at battle. And so David was stuck in this conundrum. So he sent his friend back into the battle with orders. He made his friend carry his own orders that he would be put in the front lines where he'd be killed, right under the city gate where they're dropping oil and rocks and everything else. And sure enough, Uriah gets killed. David... Glad that the problem is over, takes Bathsheba into his home and makes her his wife. Pretty bad. So one day, the prophet Nathan comes along. Nathan, God's prophet, the man of God who brings the advice, the word of God to David, he comes in and he says, Hey David, I gotta tell you something. I gotta tell you a story, something that's happening in your kingdom. And tells the story. There's a rich man who's got flocks and flocks of sheep, and there's a poor man who's got one little lamb. The rich guy with tons and tons of sheep and the poor guy with this one lamb, the, the guy brings his lamb into his house. The lamb eats off his table. The lamb sleeps in his bed. It is their pet lamb. It is named. It is known. It is their, this precious lamb. And this rich man has, has, has a party and decides instead of using one of his many, many flocks to eat for the party, he goes to the poor man, takes his lamb, kills it, and serves it at the party. And David is incensed as the king. He says, justice in this land. This person is in, they they should be killed. This is horrible. Something should be done about this person. And Nathan says, it's you. You're pointing at you. You're the guy who did this. And David, in that moment, the story goes right over his wall and pierces his heart. And he's broken for what he's done. He sees it and realizes and he carries this. And so he writes Psalm 51, which is a psalm of repentance. It's a song that describes his heart poured out before the Lord. And this is what he says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart of God you will not despise. David says, man, I, I blew it, but my heart is broken before you. Thank you that you don't despise the broken heart. Jesus compares our hearts and our lives with soil. This is the story he's he's sharing. This is the story he's proclaiming to all these crowds as they all come to listen, and Jesus is teaching, 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 and then suddenly he says this this story. Kind of a little bit confusing. Obviously, the disciples, didn't even get it. They're asking for clarification. Soil and seeds, that's the story. Last year, Lauren... Um, She was teaching one day a week in the school, and so she brought in kidney beans. And she gave a kidney bean to every child. And she told them, this kidney bean is like a good idea. If it is watered, if it is planted, if it is encouraged, if we love it, it will grow into something amazing. But if you throw it in the garbage, or you stomp it in the dirt, it will be nothing but a dead kidney bean. And then... Every week she brought in the kidney beans she planted, and they watched it grow and grow and grow. And when she brought it home, she was so careful and watered it and put all these, took all, took so much care of it. And the seed grew and grew and grew, and the kids named it Jack. <laughs> and they thought this was so incredible. Kidney beans grow into things? Kidney beans, is, that's a seed that will grow? Yes, that will grow. Why is the picture seeds and growing in soil? Why is this the, the story Jesus is telling? I think one reason is because gardens are alive. Because gardens are alive. And, and there's life and there's death in gardens. There's things that are dying and things that are growing. And this is a picture of our lives, of life. And it's alive in a beautiful way. There's beauty that's happening. And as, even as that little, little jack was growing, there's something beautiful happening as they watched it. Secondly, because gardens require tending. I know this because I tried to grow a garden and just leave it. I was like, there it is. Okay, we'll come back in a few months and show me what you got. Which was like weeds. That's all it was. Gardens require tending. You can't just leave them or they turn into weeds. They don't grow anything, actually. The carrots I got were like dwarf carrots. I'm sure they were baby carrots. But they are wild. They need to be pruned and and tended. And that's how gardens grow. That's how... Plants and all that stuff grows. Thirdly, because gardens are a miracle. Anyone who's plant, any farmer, any of these—if you grow anything, you know there's miracle to it. There's something miraculous about about Little Jack growing out of a pot, out of a kidney bean. Something incredible. And even in the picture of the garden, we're under a curse. Our story starts with a garden. The story of humanity begins with a garden if I get out the kid's Bible and I bring it to my I know which story she wants me to read. Every time. She always wants the first story, the very beginning. She wants to know how it began. She wants to hear about the garden, and she wants to hear about the fall. And every time I read it to her, the story of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, it crushes me. It's like, it makes me sad. I'm like, let's read any other story. Any other story, really. I'd be happy. We could even read about the crucifixion today. I'm okay. Like, just do we have to read that story again? It's so depressing. It's sad. Man, they were in the garden with God in this beautiful, incredible place where they were growing. They were naked without shame. There was just them and God. And then in one horrible moment, they rejected him. They disobeyed. They said, no, we don't trust you. we're, We're choosing not to love you. We're choosing to go our own way. And it's painful and horrible. The curse is that we would no longer grow beautifully. We would die. We'd be going to death. That's the curse. And sin would corrupt and blacken every corner, every crevice, every part of our lives, every part of our world and our story. No longer would the seed fall on soft soil every time. In Eden, I just picture there, they just throw seed and everything just grows. It's beautiful. Like the water and the earth, the environment, it's no longer like that anymore. Seed doesn't always fall on soft soil. There's birds that steal it. And there's the sun burning down in heat and drying it out and killing it. And there's thorns growing and choking out the very life of these plants. And the picture for us is that we're going to lie and steal and cheat and murder and hate. And we'll be greedy and jealous and conniving and selfish. And if I can't see it in someone else, I sure can see it in me. It's there and ugly. The curse is that we no longer default to good soil. It's just not going to grow and it's going to be good soil. The garden will just tend itself. It's not going to be that way. And Jesus makes a disturbing comment when he's talking about the story, when he tells the story and the disciples say, well, what does that mean? And then Jesus says this, and the, the story is in Matthew, and it's in Mark, and it's in Luke. And so in Matthew, this is what G, how Jesus describes it. He says, for this people's heart, when they say, why, are, why stories? Jesus says, for this people's heart has grown dull, and their ears, ha- can, they can barely hear And their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly, I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. Jesus says not everyone is going to hear and understand. And we know that because Jesus was there in the flesh talking to them, telling them stories, doing miracles, and not everyone believed. There's a bunch of people who didn't believe at all. They killed him. They didn't believe so much. So not, that's not the case. Oh, just if we get near Jesus, then it's going to be okay. No. Not everyone will believe and hear and understand. Maybe this is you today. You're struggling with things. You're like, I don't know if I believe this. I, I wrestling through some of these things. And maybe you've been in the church before and you've hit some obstacles and you've wrestled through things. And maybe it doesn't seem, God doesn't seem very clear right now. Maybe he seems far away. Maybe it feels like your heart has grown dull or your ears are gro- have grown deaf and you feel like, I can't even hear that anymore. I was talking to, or I uh, had someone share a testimony, a story at the C2C fundraiser and he said um, he was sharing with a friend who at first said I'll never be a Christian and then a little while later he said well okay I'm looking at it but he said I want it to be true the more I find out about it the more I want it to be true I'm just afraid it isn't true I'm just afraid it isn't true when I hear about how great it is and what the story really is I want it to be true but I'm not sure if it is here's the thing seed falls on the ground It falls into our hearts. The truth falls on our hearts. Stories pierce the wall and a broken and a contrite heart God will not despise. If you're wrestling, if you're not sure, you say, I don't know. I don't even know what kind of soil I am. A broken heart God will not despise. You put it before him and watch what he does. My second point is that this has everything to do with me. I don't have slides today. I'm sorry. This has everything to do with me. Everything to do with me. Why does Jesus tell this story? I read this story, and my first response is like, well, great, thanks a lot, Jesus, telling us the story. Yeah, some of you are hard ground. Some of you are rocky ground. Some of you are thorny ground, and some of you are good soil. Too bad for you guys. Rock on, you guys, good soil. I'm like, well, that's not helpful. Is this like Jesus just telling people how it is? Hey, guys, this is just how it is. Or is he saying something to them? Is there more to it? Is this like fatalistic sovereignty? Like, bummer if you're not the good soil. just too bad. I don't think that's the case. This week, I experienced real exhaustion. In the last few weeks, I've really been exhausted. Like, by mid-afternoon, I'm just feeling wiped out. And so, this week, I was like, okay. I went to my incubator in Vancouver with my church planning guys, and we were all there, and I was sharing, and they were, like, asking me, you know pointed questions like how much are you asleep? I'm like that doesn't matter how much I sleep I want you to pray for me. I'm gonna get healed from this exhaustion And i'm waiting for god to do something and you know They're asking me all these questions and i'm like no 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 And then on thursday I had a, like wednesday was just exhausted all day on thursday I was getting my coffee and I was doing something I don't usually do which is I was looking through facebook while I was waiting for my coffee And I saw someone had posted something about tony robbins He's like this motivational guru guy. He's, he looks good. I mean, he looks healthy. And I'm like looking at Tony Robbins, and I started laughing. I was like, who puts this stuff up? I'm sorry if you put it up. <laughs> who put this up? I'm like, Tony Robbins? Like, he, what? He doesn't have the answer. Tony Robbins? He's just like, his best answer is not, there's no Jesus in his answer. It can't be the final answer. And then I'm looking, and it's making, you know, when it does the words. So I can't hear it, but it's putting words on top of it. And he, he's saying, like, if you're really tired and worn out, you should try 10 minutes of intense exercise every day. I was like, Tony Robbins. What do you know, Tony? <laughs> Don't give me that, Tony. And then I went into my quiet time, and I sat down, and I kept going around in my head, 10 minutes of intense exercise. I'm like, Tony, uh, you're not allowed to be here, Tony. I'm in my quiet time. <laughs> and then I was like, man, I, I when's the last time I went swimming? Oh, a few weeks ago. <laughs> hmm. And then I was, I could go swimming. So I went swimming all day. I was like, whoa, I feel a lot of energy. Like endorphins are going around in my body. Is that Tony? (laughs) 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 It's not just about writing on the wall. Oh, I'm waiting for the writing on the wall, and then I'm going to move. This is about you. You're a part of this. Don't, we're not just sitting fatalistically waiting for everything to happen around us. Sometimes it's God saying, get up and do some exercise, man. (laughs) What are you waiting for? Scripture has too much to say about our part in this, that we're doing something. Matthew 16, 24, Jesus says to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Hebrews 12 verse 1, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race laid out before us. 1 Corinthians 9, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? And he goes on to say, I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others I would be disqualified. Hebrews twelve twelve. Therefore, lift up your drooping hands, strengthen your weak knees. James four eight. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Revelations nineteen seven. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and the bride has made herself ready. take up your cross, follow, lay aside the weight, every sin, run the endurance, run to obtain the prize, discipline your body, strengthen your knees, draw near, cleanse your hands, purify your heart, make yourself ready. You and I are a part of this. Your heart is a kind of soil. There's a story of a Christian who was in the flood And the water's rising, so he goes up to the second floor, and he starts praying, Oh, Lord, deliver me. Rescue me. I pray you rescue me. I thank you that you're going to rescue me. I'm in faith. I believe it. And the water rises, and so he goes up on the roof. And on the roof, he's waiting, and suddenly some, the neighbors paddle by in this rickety canoe. Like, it's full. And they're like, oh, come on, we can fit you in. He's like, no, 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 I'm going to be rescued. Don't worry. Don't worry. I'm going to be rescued. God's going to rescue me. And so they go on. And he's, the water rises, rises. So he goes up on on top of the, he's at the very peak of the roof now, and the water's rising. And the neighbors come by in their powerboat. Hey, man, jump in. We can save you. And he's like, no, 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 it's okay. I'm going to be rescued. God's going to save me. And they're like, Okay. And then the water's rising, rising, rising. He gets up on top of the very top of the chimney until he's standing up there. And the water's rising. And <laughs> it's a Coast Guard helicopter. It doesn't sound like, it sounds better than that. And they're like, we will rescue you. Put you on our thing. Here's the harness. And they lower the harness. And he's like, no, no, it's okay. God's going to rescue me any a minute. And then the water keeps rising, and he dies. And he's in heaven, and he's like, God, God, where's God? God. Hey, I thought I was talking to you. I thought you were going to rescue me. What happened? And God's like, I tried to rescue you. I sent three people to save you, and you turned them down every time. So I thought you wanted to come to heaven. <laughs> this is it. Your your heart is a kind of soil, and we need to wake up and take stock of our life. We're not just drifting through life. We're looking at it. We're alert. We're awake. The question would be, what kind of soil am I? If you're going to ask that question, what kind of soil am I on whatever day? How would I know this? Is this permanent? Am I stuck with whatever soil I am? Here's what I'd say. There's things you can do about what kind of soil you are. Here's what I'd say. If you are hard soil, you would look at your life and say, yeah, I'm pretty hard. I don't think this, I don't believe any of this. I'm really struggling with it. Yeah, I'd be hard soil to this. Hebrews 3:12 and 13 says this, take care brothers lest there be in any of you an evil unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day as long as it's called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So you might say, well I'm I feel like maybe I got a hard heart to this, I'm not a Christian. And some people would say in any of you, this is written to the church. Is there some of us with with a hard heart in places? And the This is saying exhort one another take stock look in and say am I am I? Walking into hardness the deceitfulness of sin And what we can do in that is we pray You pray to god that he would soften your heart The holy spirit's the one who softens the ground of our hearts. So we ask him would you come and bring softness there? Would you soften that ground for me and we guard our hearts and we exhort one another maybe You would look and you say, maybe my soil is rocky soil because I don't feel very strong. I don't feel like I have very deep roots. Luke calls it a time of testing. Or Matthew says, when tribulation or persecution arise on account of the word, he falls away. So in this case, I would say, we pray. We ask God that he's going to remove rocks from the soil and he's going to help our roots to grow down deep. And then we apply ourselves to be in community with people where we can grow. We put ourselves in a good environment where we're able to grow. We pray that God would give us character and faithfulness to be able to grow roots that would cause us to become an incredible plant. Or maybe you feel like you're the weedy soil. You'd say, yeah, when I look at my life, when I take stock, I'm divided. I have a divided heart. I love God, but I also love all this other stuff. I love the pleasure, pursuing pleasure. I love the world. I love all these things. And I just don't know. It's kind of even to me. I don't know. You feel divided. Matthew calls it the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches. Luke calls it the pleasures of life. Mark calls it the desire for other things. And in this case, it's, I think this is a thing a lot of us struggle with, especially in this culture, is we're putting other things first all the time. What do I love? I love Jesus and I love all this other stuff. I love all this new technology. I love this thing. I love that thing. I love sports. I love this. I love that. I love my family. I'm putting things first. And in that, those things will choke out the life of the kingdom in our lives. So we pray. We pray that God would be first. We confess our idols. We look and we say, wow, okay, that's an idol for me. I really love that thing. And I'm going to bring it before the Lord and surrender it to him. Jesus critiques the soil, not the so- sower. And at the end, he says, and For that good in the good soil they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Now, I don't know about you, but I read that and I'm like, okay, hold on fast. I can do that. An honest and good heart. Okay. I don't know if I can do that. How do I do that? How do I have an honest and good heart? How do I bear fruit? How do I make myself do that? Oh, man, I'm in trouble. This is all about me. I'm in trouble. It's a good thing I have a third point. My third point is that this has nothing to do with you. Nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with you and nothing to do with you. I am not good soil. Just in case you thought I was a pastor, I must be. I'm not good soil. At times, I'm hard. I'm weak. I'm divided. I'm confused. I relate to Paul, who writes in Romans Sounds like he knows what what I'm talking about in Romans chapter 7. He says for I know the good itself does not dwell in me That is in my sinful nature for I have the desire to do what is good But I cannot carry it out For I do not do the good I want to do but the evil I do not want to do this I keep on doing now if I do what I do not want to do It's no longer I who do it, but it's the sin in me that does it That's confusing if that confuses you. It's confusing we want to do good. I want to do good, but I keep doing this. I want, I wanted. yes, I'm going to do that. No, and then I keep doing this. What is going on? This is what, this is what Paul says, and he's even got the, he puts the answer to it. He says, what a wretched man that I am. He's, he says, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? He says, I can't get over there. I want to, but I keep ending up stuck here. Who will rescue me? And then he answers his own question. He says, Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ. This isn't me. This is Jesus. As much as it's about me, it's all about Jesus. Hebrews 12, verse 2, the verse that says, Run the race with endurance because there's all those people watching. Run with endurance. Come on. The next verse, so keep reading because the next verse says, Looking to Jesus. How am I going to run with endurance? I'm so tired. Look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. He's the one. We're looking to him. Growing up, we had part of our yard was a little garden, and then one day my dad came home with this miracle invention. He got it out. It's got like these big things on it, and it's got this long thing, an engine. And I went out and I was like, I'm going to watch this he went in the, out in the yard and he said, Mom wants a bigger garden. <laughs> and he turned on the rototiller. And that thing started churning up our yard like butter. <laughs> and just go, have you seen a rototiller? It is like a miracle. It takes grass and weeds and yard and it makes it into Brown fertile soil. And it chews up, and he's throwing out the rocks, and he's sweating. And he just chewed it up, and the the whole back part of our yard became this garden. And we had five kids too, so it makes sense. The rototiller was like the most incredible thing ever. And as I'm thinking about soil, I think about the rototiller. It doesn't matter what soil you are. Jesus is the guy bringing the rototiller, and he turns it on in our life, and he begins churning up whatever soil is there, and he makes it. He makes it into beautiful soil. That's his gift. That's what he does. That's what he brings. He's the one. He started it, and he's going to finish it. He's the author. He's the writer. He's the one. We run the race looking to Jesus because he's the one who died and rose again, and offers us his spirit to come and live in us and make us able to live this life at all. It's all grace, grace upon grace upon grace. And we're left to trust that he's doing the work in us, that he's going to rotate till our hearts and make them good. Harvest is grace. If you talk to a farmer, this is what they'll say. Harvest is waste. You can be the best farmer in the world, the most right farmer. You do everything by the book, the farmer almanac or whatever book you would use to farm. And you do it all and you do it at the right time and the right day and you plant and you till and you grill and you dit this and it's all just right. And then you could have a hurricane, gone. You could have a flood, gone. You could have late rains, gone. Early frost, gone. It is a miracle to get the harvest. It is a miracle, it is grace. Harvest is grace. Mark 4 chapter chapter 4 verse 8 says other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. That picture, 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold, that's a big harvest and it's miraculous. It's a miracle. Harvest is a miracle. The idea that harvest could come from your life, that fruitfulness could come from my life, that seed could fall and other things grow in other places because of my life, that's grace. That's a miracle. Mark chapter 4. So Mark, in his gospel, he tells this story, the parable of the soils, and then he adds some other seed parables. He puts them all together. And so this is what he says about the parable about the kingdom. He says the kingdom is like a guy who sows seed and he sleeps and rises night and day and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. That's the parable. It's just a line. The guy goes out, scatters seed. He wakes up and it's growing. And he comes back the next day and it's growing more. He doesn't even know how this happens. The kingdom is a kingdom of grace. I experienced this with rhubarb. Someone gave me rhubarb. I put it in my garden. I don't have a garden. Put it in the grass, where I thought the garden would be someday. And the next year I went back, and there is rhubarb. And I was like, this is amazing. Watch the rhubarb grow. I mow around it. Look at this rhubarb. It's like I got a garden the beginning. And then I went to Lauren. I said, what do we do with rhubarb? She said, I don't cook with rhubarb. And I said, all right, I'll mow it. (laughs) And I mowed that rhubarb down, (laughs) just right down to the nub. And here's the miracle. The next year, rhubarb grew back. (laughs) I call it my grace rhubarb. Because I don't do anything to that rhubarb. I don't water it. I don't like, it is a miracle that it grows. Perennials. Does anyone understand? Have you ever seen perennials? These plants that grow year after year? Who's buying annuals still? (laughs) You just plant these things and they come back. You don't they just start growing again. It's a miracle these things. This is the message. It's grace And god is doing it in our lives. We don't deserve it. I don't deserve to have flowers come back again But they do it's this miracle Beautiful thing. It's not about you. It's about him. He's the author and the perfecter And so what does this mean as I look at others as I share my faith with others as I share what god is doing in me? oh, I'm going to know what kind of soil people are off. Op- yeah, I'm done with you, your hard soil. Oh, yeah, no, I'm going to sow into the good soil. Do you know what? In this story, the sower is sowing indiscriminately. He just sows everywhere. And it's up to God to know what kind of soil. So my encouragement to you is as you're sharing your faith, as you're sharing what God is doing, and you are internally evaluating, mm, this person doesn't seem very receptive, or, oh, this person, I think they're pretty hard, or this person looks pretty shallow soil. Don't do that. Sow the seed. Be obedient to where God has put you to be. Wherever God has put you, there's seed to sow. The word of the kingdom. And there it is. It will start to grow. And sometimes you'll be so surprised at where it's growing. Whoa! I thought you were the path. No, 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 that's the good soil. And there it starts to grow. It's a beautiful thing. John 12, 24 says, Jesus says, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. And if it dies, it produces many seeds. And so that's a picture for us as we share, as we put ourselves out there. We're risking, and we're saying we're going to go for the harvest, that it could be that God would do it. So, in conclusion, the story of our hearts is a well-tended garden bearing hundredfold fruit. I believe stories have a way of piercing our heart they go in and they do work over a long period of time and this is what God does He shares Jesus shared story after story after story and allowed those things to go in and churn up until people are ready This is about us. We're a part of this We're not just sitting in our chair waiting for everything to happen. We're being obedient. We're following him walking in it we Repent we turn we evaluate our soil. We strive with all endurance. We discipline ourselves and we follow But this isn't about us at all (laughs) I'm so glad this isn't about us You can't become the right soil. You can't make yourself do it. Jesus can do it And so we look to Jesus the one who started it And the one who finishes it and the one who's working it out in us day after day after day It's a beautiful story And as we join him in scattering seed, we trust that he's going to do the work of growing and bringing in a harvest. Let's pray.